0: Just shout, I'm sure everyone. Yeah, whoa, there we go. Outside voice, there we go. There's the outside voice or maybe just the amplification. There we go. So one of the things that we're going to do over the next several weeks is as we look at this series, Passing Down the Faith, which I am really, really excited for, in some ways, let let me say it this way. It is a new series, it's us working through the book of Deuteronomy, but it's almost us also sharing more about the vision of our church, that you all have said yes to be a part of, that you are on this journey with us, but also in some ways, it's a series about how do we actually be the church? You don't go to church, I guess, in a sense, you don't The building is not a church. We call this a ministry center for a reason. But the people of God, surrendered to the will of God, are the church. Those who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit are the church. And so, for us to be the church in this place, to live out what God has for us, we're going to go on a journey over the next several weeks of how does the church just continue to exist, but also... How does the church pass down its faith? And if you hear anything at all, my hope is that as we work through this series that you know that it takes a multi-generational church to raise a mature follower of Jesus. So in starting this series, as I said, it's a series about really being the church, to pass down the faith. And we all pass down versions of our faith. You've had faith probably passed down you on some way. Maybe it's been intentional. Maybe it's been haphazard. And so we're gonna talk about some and just also intentional practices of how we live out our faith as we do weekly here of being a community of everyday people committed to expanding God's family, but doing that in such a way that it's also keeping the main thing the main thing, so that we can reach the next generation. Because as you know, there can all be all kinds of barriers to communicating faith, to not just the people you work with, the people maybe you are around on a daily basis, but also the next generation and our kids. And so the principles we're going to discuss are true whether or not you're first in your family of faith, or you come in a long line of people who have passed down faith to you. Whether you're a parent, whether you're married, or whether you're single, or whether you're young or old, the principles will be true. Because we all have generational sin patterns in our life, with which act as barriers rather than bridges to faith. So, as I said, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of these shifts that we hope that when you are intentional, you're going to be able to see how that moves in your own life. And to start us, we're continuing kind of in Deuteronomy with the Shema. And I just want you to catch that first verse of the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel. It doesn't say, Hear, O parents. Where here, those who are older or more mature. It says, hear, O Israel. The collective had a responsibility to pass down faith, to talk about it when they sit up and stand down, when they're on the city gates, on the doorposts, and all the locations for those words to be in their hearts and to communicate that. And so as we talk about these shifts, what we thought is it might be appropriate to share just some of the stories Um, of how faith has been passed down to us and what this could look like for us as we try to live this out amongst you and with you as we live here in our community. And so I'm gonna just tee up some questions today and Ruth and I are gonna talk about that. We'll give you some scriptural points, but also some story. And so for the first question of how just faith could get passed down and what that might look like, is, Ruth, how did your parents instill faith in your life?
1: Um, I was very blessed with great parents. um, But what I have come to appreciate is that they were the example. Um, It wasn't just, oh, you you should read your Bible because it's good for you. No, they were the ones sitting at the kitchen table every morning just journaling and they did it every morning, um, and that is something that they um, didn't take lightly. Um, we didn't just go to church, it was no, we we're going to participate, <laughs> we we're going to have moments where we we're um, interacting. So, that like modeling mm. that for me was really big, and what I've come to appreciate the most is, they didn't make possessions or our time more important than people. We Mm -hmm. had an open house, um, and you were, you just walked in, if you knocked, no one's come to the door, you just just walk in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But it is, thankful that as I have grown over the last 10 years of being married that those what are seemingly small that's what stuck it wasn't something outside of the Bible that was taught it was who is Jesus and who is he to you um, it was more it was very personal
0: Coming into the story a little bit later, I remember that was kind of jarring for me. Personally, the, I had grown up in a place where we did go to church, and sometimes I was grateful that my parents made that a priority. Sometimes I'd show up in my baseball uniform. Um, I remember doing a competition. I talked about it uh, when, when we talked about honoring parents, the, this competition-based Bible mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, competition that really instilled the word of God uh, in me. But I really, joining your journey later, I think what was, it was so natural. Um, I remember having that first conversation with you. I was like, is this is this real? Is this because like people are around? And one of the stories that you're like, no, this is what I know of my parents and what they had had been. And um, just the rhythm, I remember walking into your house at one point in time, is it was like we'd all be there hanging out at the college, and then uh, dinner would be started, and sometimes we'd help, and sometimes we wouldn't, and then we'd get it on the table, and then your dad would come home from work, he'd change, like we'd eat dinner, and then probably 15, 20 minutes after we were wrapped up, we were all doing other things out in the back, like bonfire, um, hanging out, talking, and he'd sit down at the table with his prayer journal, and his notebook, and read the Bible, and he just carried that with him, and I I remembered seeing that, and almost wondering, like, how, how does that start, or like, you know, was his expectation for you guys to join him in that, and so I guess, was there ever a pressure from your parents to be like, oh, we've got to make it this formal, intentional, around the table thing, (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, do, I don't I do remember doing Bible studies or anything like that. Um, I was homeschooled until, like, seventh grade, so there were moments, because my mom had freedom in our curriculum, that she was like, hey, like, let's read your Bible, and if you can't find something, read Proverbs, because um, there are 31, and you just pick whatever the day is. Um, but hmm. they never made it, like, well, you have to do it today, or that day's ruined. It was very much um, like they longed to be in the Bible, and they recognized that they were different when they, when they weren't. So I'm the youngest of six kids. Mm. There was some tense moments. <laughs> um, so I remember, like, my mom, when we are driving her crazy, me and my two brothers uh and she would pause and be like you guys are driving me crazy i didn't spend time with jesus this morning i'm gonna go do that Mm. and like she would step out of the situation and come back refreshed Mm. because she knew she couldn't do it on her own power um and that was like there was never a circumstance where their their behavior changed based on who we were around Mm. um They were the same in the house or out of the house and that like in the good and the bad. And like, I know I am a sinful person and that is why I need Jesus. Mm. Um, But they they always just constantly pointed us to the Bible to learn. It wasn't this competition of who could know more than who or they weren't worried about the theology that we needed to know it was do you know that Jesus died for you and that you can have a personal relationship with him
0: hmm. I I appreciate that because not to do too much compare and contrast <laughs> between and we talked a little bit about this of yeah. I I appreciated like my parents but we're in a different season and a different situation and my parents recognizing that they were people too. It took me a long while until you get to an adult to recognize mm-hmm. that they were still practicing like and learning to live out their own faith. Yeah, and absolutely. one of the biggest pieces that I see for, that at least I'm so grateful for my parents is they exposed me to other Christian believers okay. who knew the word so that they could help me when they felt like stuff was out of control. And so my parents knew that they couldn't do it all by themselves, even though they're high-capacity, individualistic, driven people, which I'm so grateful for. They also knew that they needed to rely on others to support their journey of helping me and my sisters understand who Jesus is and what he has done. And so I guess that would be a question I, i throw back to you is were there any others involved Mm -hmm. in your faith journey that are like some advice to help you understand um, who Jesus is and what was that like on your journey?
1: Yeah, Um, so I was blessed with (laughs) five siblings and I've been able to watch them grow, but someone outside of my family who it has just stuck in my head, her name is Kelly, and I was probably like a sophomore or junior in high school and recently went through a breakup and whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> we were at a, a youth lock-in and the that guy was there and I just wasn't. Uh, I was probably behaving more in my mind than anything else. But what I appreciated from Kelly is because we had had a relationship because she was a a youth sponsor and she really mentored the the girls is she was aware, like she was watching and she pulled me aside and said, Hmm. do you recognize that your actions are not meeting the words that you have proclaimed to believe that you are (laughs) not demonstrating who Christ is. And, in the moment, I was like, whatever, that's so dumb. <laughs> like, just, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, but that has stuck with me for a few reasons. Is because she didn't do it in front of the whole group, hmm. she pulled me aside, she knew the character that I had or could have, and she loved me enough to point out hmm. the that I was not acting according to what my words were saying and actions speak way louder than words.
0: Amen. Yeah, That's so true. I think of the Shema and I mentioned it at the start was it says, Hero Israel and really to pass faith down is we, we need we need those tribe of mentors. <laughs> yeah. You need other adults, you need um, other people who who and I, I think I've said this from mm-hmm. s- from up here before is when our, as our kids get older, when things get tough, if they feel like they can't come to mom and dad, I want them to be able to look at the people of our church and go, I can go talk to that individual and get not just cultural advice <laughs> or advice, but those individuals will point them back to Jesus and yep. to the word. And that's when I, th- I think of the Shema and the command for Israel is was really for the community to know the laws and the rules of God so well, be so immersed in it that, yes, it was also around, but it was Mm -hmm. also the responsibility to share that with others along the way. Um, I think of both in the home and on the road. Both are needed. And so as we talk about passing on faith, the the data is out. Um, There's about four or five organizations who have done extensive studies on effective passing on the faith. And the single most important person or individual and whether someone is receptive to faith is the parents, even through the teenage years. The second is the Christian adults in that person's life who they can go to over time as time progresses, no matter the situation or the relationship. And so for us, I just know, and really my hope is for the church is that's why we're talking about scripture. That's why we're, that's why we're praying about faith. That's why we want to talk about this because you all play an important role in ensuring that not our next generation receives the faith, but also those who don't know faith period. Some of those who are newer, um, no matter what age stage you are at. Um, I think, it applies both up and down. When our kids express faith well, isn't it such an inspiration? Yeah. The the childlike joy, or the, at yeah. even times the simplicity of it. Well, this is right, and this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Or this is what Jesus says, or this is what I've understood the Bible to say. And that can be a reminder of, sometimes we get so caught up in the extra, yeah. the things on the periphery. Yep. I mean, you all know this, that how You start a conversation with anybody and then it's really easy to talk about the conflict or the chaos that's going on in our world. But to come back and to see the simplicity of the core of what does the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus mean and how is that shaping our life has a profound impact um, on on your own life but also on those whom you're around, especially uh, your kids. And I think we sit up here as people who have gone on this journey and are trying to be open-handed about our journey because we're, we're still young in this. We, <laughs> we don't have it all together, but I just I think of those, that data and the organizations that have come out that truly say, here's what has worked over the last 50 years and here's what hasn't. Um, Barna, Fuller Institute, um, there's even a secular organization who studied all kinds of different religions and what separates the difference between them passing on faith and the kids being receptive and those who weren't. And it came down to a couple of things. It came to some of what you said in your own story and what is true for you of parents taking seriously the message of Jesus and being honest and just simply living that out and having others in their world who were doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, I'm going to cut in there. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, I think a a big thing is we downplay what small consistent habits can do. It isn't these grand moments. I I we never really like sat down and did a, a Bible study, but when those 60 seconds or 90 seconds when we were aware enough <laughs> to pay attention. Like, they took those. They took those moments, and simple is good. Um, our, I don't think that, especially at such a young age, it needs to be Jesus loves you, and he died for you. And there's nothing... It doesn't need to be the extra. It just and then demonstrating that in your own life.
0: Yeah. What I think the words that they gave there came from the Bible, and I talked a little bit about your dad, and you shared some about your mom. How has your relationship with the Bible changed over time as the faith really transitioned from something you saw and were even a part of to an extent, or were around. To becoming your own faith
1: yeah it's a great question um as my faith has increased so has my understanding of the bible i uh, just being open to the holy spirit and believing in the power that your life can change um there have been a lot of pivotal moments uh, in my life where I had to come to terms with, okay, I'm saying that I believe these things, but do I? Um, My dad passed away almost nine years ago, and that was a pillar of faith that was like, well, now what? Um, Planning a church is not all rainbows and butterflies. Uh, It is... (laughs) Yeah, I don't wanna burst any bubbles, but (laughs) that was hard. That was, we had to figure out how to be married and plan a church, Uh, that communication and coming into an open house. um, I was used to it, he wasn't, and so how do we merge that together? Um, (laughs) My fitness. Um, knowing that I can do hard things, but it takes those small, consistent changes. It can't just be one big thing at a time. Living a life that is all connected, discovering, okay, like, I've been holding on to this part of my life. I've got to let it go. It has to just flow. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being in the space with friends either if they're going through a hard time or if we're going through a hard time having that space and knowing that we don't grow in comfort it's when the trials are there i i you don't have to display your faith when you're not in trial it's just there um, hmm. but the more i've let go of control uh, i have truly seen my faith become real um it's not on my ability to speak in front of people uh or praying out loud or the knowledge of scripture uh the holy spirit just needs a willing heart and he will do the rest mm. um but by god's grace i'm h- right here today mm. um oh. yeah <laughs> uh he truly has i even when my dad passed away, I had never felt that, Scripture says there's a peace that goes beyond understanding, mm. that I felt it there. And holding on to those moments of, okay, Lord, I have felt you in these moments. I know that you are going to continue to show up. Um, and truly just knowing that uh, even in moments of, like, here I am now, like, it's not in my own ability, I know I'm not doing this, I know that it is the Holy Spirit, um, and just relying on his power, and his grace, Hmm. um, I had mentioned earlier about, like, my parents, they truly had a longing for the Bible, and I never really understood that, like, I went through the, okay, well, I gotta read the Bible, because it's a checklist, like, I have to just, I have to just do it, and, um, Honestly, uh, only within the last probably six months has it been like, oh, like, I get to. I get to read the Bible. Um, and a longing to hear God's word. I used to, I'm like, I've never heard his voice. So, like, okay, well, what are people who say that they've heard? Um, but knowing that, like, his scripture is his words is is life-changing. Um I think I was stuck in in a mindset of like, oh, I don't have time. It's too busy. Life is too busy. I can't fit this in anywhere. Uh, and switching to life is always going to, there's always going to be something. Yeah. So if we can make h- him the priority, life then kind of just flows yeah. uh, just by releasing um, and having that mind-body connection of, okay, Lord, like you are patient yeah. and he will wait for you to be willing. Yeah. And then once it, it can change, just like that, yeah. once we recognize, yeah. okay, like I've been holding on, let me just release because I can't carry the weight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think of, as you're talking in your own journey, I think of the verse out of First Thessalonians 2, Verse 8, and it says, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become uh, dear to us. And that's the Apostle Paul writing to a church that he started. And I, I think about faith on the road. Along the way, when life is busy, having spent time with the word so that you don't always need a Bible in your hand when you're trying to express faith. I think for me, that was the biggest change was having done Bible Bowl and been in church and around church and heard a lot of sermons and spent time at my youth minister's house where we'd crack open the Bible. And it was great to always hear other people talk Mm -hmm. about the Bible. I didn't know how to open it up and actually read the words for myself and go, huh, like how does this show up? And it frankly wasn't until I went to, to college where it was, I'm now being trained to talk to others and minister to others. And I realized that if it's not in my heart or it's not in the core, then how will I ever expect it to come out in the natural rhythms of life when I don't, I mean, yeah, I've got a phone and I can pull up, open the Bible app, Mm -hmm. and like try to search for something when I think the word might mean or need to pass it on. But when I had, I notice a true difference when I've spent time thinking or reading a psalm or reading a proverb, Mm -hmm. that actually tends to come out in conversation much more naturally. And the spiritual conversations that you have with people, especially others, if, if we're in the word reading and talking about it, I just heard something the other day, a friend was telling me, he was like, oh yeah, I was reading, you know, Psalm 110, and it's like, no way, I was reading Psalm 110. What'd you get about it? And it just started this beautiful conversation. Neither of us had said we were going to read Psalm 10, or planned it, or organized it, but the Spirit was working in such a way where it was just a natural conversation, and we were becoming aware of what God was doing, and then what was helpful was there was a third person in the conversation, it was like, I've never read that, and then we got to talk about the scripture, open it up, read it together, and goes, oh, that's really neat and really cool. So I think, as we just think about, I just am very honest with my own journey, I don't always want to engage with a Bible. I don't always want to engage with God's word, but I notice that my demeanor, my tone, and my cadence of life is very different when I, when I engage in such a way, um, and I, and some of you have probably seen me on both ends of, of, of the extreme, like, as we talk about an open house, and how do we move things like that, it's like, you see people at their best, Mm -hmm. and at the worst, and then you've actually got to put into practice the grace of Jesus, and that's where the studies, I'll mention the studies, in coming weeks, I'll provide more concrete data, but when, say when parents model grace in front of their kids, more is caught than verbally taught. Right. They notice, yeah. they see, yeah. and so your kids, other kids are watching. Your teenagers, your adult children are still watching, and even as you're growing up, and and maybe you're young and you're you're thinking, oh, as people are watching me, well, others will mimic what they see in you, yeah. and so. More is definitely caught than taught. And so, but there is some intentional Mm -hmm. words. And you've shared a little bit of this, but just recap for us. What do you want our kids to know and maybe for our church to know and be intentional about communicating with our next generation?
1: Uh, First and foremost, that they are loved beyond anything that they do whether they get straight A's or they're on a sports team, yeah. that's, not, that's not the standard of love. It is just because they are who they are. Um, I think from my experiencing my parents raise me, um, being a Christian is a very personal journal journey, and I can't make that decision for my kids. Right. Um, they have to willingly choose to accept that Jesus died for them. Um, I don't know where I heard it, but it was probably like, maybe like four years ago. Um, but it has changed how I view my children and their actions. But our children are not Christians. They are unbelievers until they make that choice for themselves. So I can't expect them to behave how I am behaving if they have not accepted that love over them. So it is my job to continue to disciple them until they see it for their own eyes. Um, I think it shifted in me a mindset of their actions are going to display me kind of, like, or poorly on me, and just letting go of that fear
0: yeah.
1: um, has really just allowed me to be more grace-filled mm. towards them, mm-hmm. and just talk them through it. Yeah. I Just the same as I would a friend who is an unbeliever, not expect them to do what I'm doing, Amen. because they don't, it's just not there yet. Yeah. Um, And that goes for my kids or any of the kids I have influence over. Um, I want them to just know for themselves that Christ loves them. And, uh, yeah, no matter if I birth children or I just have influence, um, I can't hold them to a standard that they haven't accepted. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think... The way my mind shifted, it was actually, I'll say it this way. My kids are not my trophies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, They're not my rewards, nor do I, can I see myself in them. While they may sometimes talk like me or <laughs> act like me, <laughs> or um, better, for better or worse, and I can even be proud of them. But they are not my trophies. Yeah. They are not the standard by which I find my identity. Yeah. And when I started to come to grips like that, specifically when you're, when you're a pastor of a church mm. and you know people are watching in such a way where it's like, well, what your kids do are a reflection of you. And it's like, yes, to an extent, but I also know that they have not made a choice to follow Jesus actively. Mm-hmm. And so part of my responsibility is to disciple and love and encourage them as I would anybody who is not yet a follower of Jesus. And so I can't get my sense of worth or identity Mm -hmm. from their performance Mm -hmm. because I will always be let down. Mm -hmm. And I have to also live that and share that with them Mm -hmm. because their temptation is going to be to want to live up to dad or mom's Mm -hmm. standard, which... For, sometimes it's like we like that. We like the standards sometimes that we set for kids. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it will, it will root in their heart in a, a place where they can never feel truly loved until they've achieved. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that lie doesn't be set in their soul. And so for me, it's s- same as you. want to make sure that they have exposure to Jesus, who he is, his grace, and his love, and allow that yep. to transform their heart, as he has done mine. And, and I we'll think,
1: continue to do that. And continue uh, to do that. I think, uh, not, be- not believing the lie that we're going to get to a point where yeah. we just know it all. Uh, like, it is a continual yeah. thing. We are continually learning. We are continue like, the Bible is alive and well. Like, I read it, I read something last year and then I read it today, I will get something new out of it. And so just believing in that power.
0: Yeah. Believing that God is is loving not just for us mm-hmm. and how he's changing our lives, but is true for them as well. Yep. And so giving them that opportunity to do that. And so we just we want to encourage the church this morning with that that it is it is a higher responsibility when Moses gave those words on the edge of the promised land to Israel to talk about faith, to live faith, to, for it to be everywhere and seep, I want that to be so true of generations. And what's the beautiful thing is, for the Old Testament, is they had to go to a place, and there was rituals, and there was all kinds of rhythms. This, after Jesus, we have the spirit of the living God within us as a community. So trusting that as you engage with the word, mm-hmm. that as you engage with the Bible, that as you trust the Holy Spirit to be Lord of your, your life and to express that, that you will have words for them when they might need it. Yeah. Um, and so just to hope that that is to be true uh, as well. So I, I want to sum up some of what we said here. This morning, and I'll just put in a neat little tidy acronym. Um, It starts at home, and so the acronym is home. For us to pass on the faith well, we have to be people of hospitality, and it may mean including people in your home, but it might also just be spending time with people at restaurants Mm -hmm. and parks, being hospitable people, having an open life. The O is presenting your kids with opportunities for choice again and again, to choose Jesus. Um, And not making sure, feeling like they're going to have to get it the first time, but knowing (laughs) over the length and the long haul, that even as they get older, they're going to have to choose just as we have to choose. And so giving them those opportunities to choose Jesus and choose the church again and again. Um, The M is just model it. Um, I've said this before, but Sometimes the only Bible that people will read is you. Um, not all of young kids can read, so the Bible they are reading is you. The people around you um, notice that. So you do have to model a faith, engaging with the word, um, prioritizing, leaning on other people. That's just as important as is, is when you come to your wit's end, where do you go? Um, to the word and to people. Um, and they will very quickly identify and realize, um, as any teenager does, we all have experience with identifying the hypocrisy in our own mm-hmm. parents. Uh, you don't need a teaching or training how to do that. You see it. But as, more, as we become sincere and model it for our kids, they will receive faith. And then I think just the E is engaging with the Bible. Um, you can hand, hand a lot of people really good books on a lot of good thinking and a lot of extra. And I like to read, I want my kids to read, but at the end of the day, the book that I hope they read the most is the Bible. And so engage with the Bible for yourself. Um, You've got to do it. So it starts at home, hospitality, opportunities for choice, to model it and engage with the Bible um, for yourself. So what I would probably the last piece of encouragement I'll give is if this seems daunting, if this seems like, man, that's a really high standard and pedestal or like that's a really great ideal, the power to do it is not sufficient by our own strength. The power for us sufficient. Is not going to be on our own techniques as we talk about data. It's not going to be like, how do we get the right strategy in place? It's going to be principles that point back to Jesus again and again. And so while you may not have a responsibility to be a parent to this next generation, you definitely have a responsibility to impact it. And so I just pray that as you engage with our church, that you start to ask, what is my role? and following Jesus well so that it spills out of me to care for our kids, maybe to care for your grandkids, or maybe to see the kids with the chaos inevitably as after our gathering as the kids run around of thinking, am I living, am I giving, am I opening my life in such a way that they see Jesus in me and they Jesus is made accessible to them. You don't have to do it alone. We are in this together. And I just want to invite you along for this incredible journey and adventure. Amen. So as we close, let's just pray our final prayer. And I know we've gotten in the habit of praying this together. And by all means, you can pray that out loud with me. But it really is also intended for you to receive and understand that God's blessing on your life can then be shared to others. So let's go ahead and put up that final prayer. Um, and let me just pray that over us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, <laughs> I love this, view peace. Through this reality, may you live your faith every day, everywhere. May God's family expand and grow. May your motivation be because of Jesus living out his story. May you make his ways be known and then live for generations to come. Amen.